yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. This week on Real Health, as part of Cervical Cancer Prevention Week, we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Sarah Fitzgibbon, GP and Primary Care Clinical Advisor at Cervical Check, to tell us what we need to know about cervical cancer, HPV and the all-important screenings. Dr. Fitzgibbon, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Carl. I'm looking forward to this one. It's a topic we haven't covered before, but it's really, really important. What's the general kind of public knowledge about cervical cancer and what do people know? So I suppose people have probably heard of cervical cancer, but a lot of people maybe are not quite sure who's at risk from it or exactly the symptoms to look out for or the best way to prevent it. So it is one of the uh, cancers that can affect young women. And I suppose for that reason, it has quite a, a big effect on any family that it touches. And that's why it's so important that we do everything that we can to prevent it. And of course, Vicky Phelan has, over the past X amount of years, has done incredible work for the awareness of it. And just watching her story has been heartbreaking. Absolutely. And I suppose that's why it's really at the front of a lot of people's minds. You know, they would really have that strong awareness through the work that, that Vicky did and the great advocacy that she has done and many other people, uh, including, you know, Laura Brennan, who would have done such fantastic work around the vaccination as well. So it's certainly something that people are aware of. But again, the fine detail of it, I think, is something that it's really important that we make sure that everybody has the right information and that they know where to go. And how common is it in, in Ireland? So it's probably the, I think it's around the eighth most common uh, cancer for women in Ireland. So it would be less common, we'll say, than, than breast cancer or bowel cancer. They would be more common. But at the same time, around 300 women per year are diagnosed with cervical cancer in Ireland. And unfortunately, uh, around nine of those do pass away from the illness. And that, again, is suppose for those people who are found at a slightly later stage, we do know that it can be a little bit of a difficult cancer to treat. And again, coming back to why it's so important to prevent it. Okay, so it, it is preventable, but it's also in some cases curable, is it? Well, it can be again, you know, for any um, or for most cancers, if they're found at an early enough stage, and this is what we know through through the evidence, that uh, when we can find a cancer, ideally before it, it even becomes a cancer, so what we call a pre-cancer stage, or certainly in the very early stages of cancer, Nobody wants a diagnosis of cancer. Nobody wants to be told you have cancer, but at least to have it at an early stage where somebody can say, right, you know, we've done everything that we have to do for this cancer. It is now behind you. I mean, that's a real relief for people in that situation. And of course, it's such a scary word and a frighteningly common word. And there are lots of different types of cancer, but cancer as a word is here with, with you know, on a personal level, my own client base, it's, it's, it's very common and very scary for people. Absolutely. Anybody who's been in that position uh, will know that as soon as they hear that word, it's really hard to hear anything else. 
And that can be a reason as well why people sometimes maybe put off things like screening to do with cancer because they just don't want their, their headspace anywhere near that word. And I suppose it is important for people. Absolutely, we have to respect cancer. We know it's a, a very tricky disease. But as time has gone on, the treatments uh, and the um, outcomes for people who are diagnosed with lots of different types of cancers have improved hugely. And it really is important for us all to get used to talking about it, to recognizing the symptoms and to doing everything that we can to make sure that we keep ourselves healthy. So let's chat about prevention then. And, you know, you mentioned symptoms there. What are the symptoms? So for cervical cancer, the most common symptom would be unusual or different bleeding, vaginal bleeding compared to what you'd be used to. And so for women that they would be watching out for any bleeding that they'd have in between their periods or maybe after sex or different types of bleeding compared from what they're used to. Sometimes you can have problems with uh, pain in the in the lower part of your tummy or the lower part of your back but certainly anything to do with any different type of bleeding would be one symptom that we would say to everybody make sure you tell your GP about it it could be nothing there's loads of reasons that you could have different bleeding at different times but if you tell your GP about it they'll be able to ask you a few more questions and make sure that it's nothing to worry about okay so it's very much about knowing your body knowing your cycle and if anything doesn't fit within the norm open up talk about it and have the chat with your GP. Exactly. Yeah. And not to be, you know, embarrassed uh, to bring these kind of symptoms up. We know that anything to do with vaginas and vulvas and all of those kinds of things are things that make people squirm a little bit. But remember, your GP is a professional who does this every day. And the most important thing is that we want to hear from you so that we can help you to make sure that there's nothing serious going on. And you think we're getting better as a nation, being more open about things like that, like, you know, talking about body organs and things that normally are almost taboo. Are we getting better uh, with the newer generations coming up? I think we're trying. Um, but we do know that there are certain uh, trigger words that people find uncomfortable. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, really anything to do with uh, genitals, to do with sex, to do with any of those kinds of things. I think we still have quite a lot of um, maybe that sort of guilt built into us that would have come culturally uh, in Ireland over over the decades. And I think there is still a little bit of work to be done about just being really open and honest about these parts of our bodies that are there that we need to look after. Um, and also some of the uh, things that we do that can put us at risk then of things like, for example, the HPV virus, which is one of the main causes of cervical cancer. That's exactly where I was going to go next. Chat to me about that then. What is HPV? And let's chat about the vaccine. Yeah, so HPV is actually a group of viruses. There's about 100 of them, but there's a a smaller group of those viruses that can cause different types of cancer. And one of the main ones would be cervical cancer. So it's a virus that is spread through sexual contact. So that can be any kind of sex with any kind of person. Um, And that's important to remember because sometimes people think of it as being sort of heterosexual penetrative sex. So again, I'm using words that maybe people are not that comfortable uh, listening to, um, but really any kind of sexual activity at all that involves genitals can expose you to the HPV virus. About 80% of us will have been exposed to the HPV virus. So it's really, really common. It's really rare to find somebody who hasn't had HPV at some point in their lives. And it's much more common that we would all have been exposed to it. So would it be an STD? So it, we, we don't necessarily describe it as an STD in that it, the D part of STD would say disease or mm-hmm. sometimes we say STI, which would be illness. Yeah. So um, HPV infection doesn't really cause any symptoms. One of the types of HPV can call, cause genital warts, but the more common types are a lot of the types. And in fact, the types that cause cancer don't have any symptoms at all. So you wouldn't know you have it. You don't know that your partner might have it. 
But we do know that uh, for the people who get it, so eight out of 10 of us who get it, the vast majority of us will just clear it ourselves by ourselves. So we have it and it goes away and we never knew we had it. And our body has built up immunity to it. And for most people, they won't get that particular strain again. For some people, there are reasons why they might not get rid of the HPV virus. So the virus stays in their body and it, be it becomes what we call persistent. And it is persistent HPV that can cause cervical cancer, can cause changes in the cells of your cervix at the neck of your womb that can cause cancer. And that accounts for over 90% of cervical cancers. So the vast majority of cervical cancers are caused by this virus that we know about, that somebody very kindly discovered nearly 50 years ago. And because we know that it's there, because we know the cause of this 92% uh, of, of uh, cervical cancers, this is what helps us to be able to prevent it because we have this cause and uh, we have developed vaccines against it, which is amazing. We would never, when I was training to be a doctor, the idea of a vaccine that could prevent cancer, it was just out of this world science fiction. And now we have it here and now. And talk to me about the vaccine program then. Is there a specific age or how does the vaccine program work for it? So the main vaccine program has been directed towards uh, young people. So in first year in school. So when that was first introduced, it was for uh, girls in first year. And there was have, oh, have been over the years some catch up programs for girls. And in since 2019, it's all children in first year. So, so boys and girls in first year are offered the HPV vaccine. And just recently, in the last month or so, we have this fantastic catch up campaign. Um, which is named in honour of Laura Brennan, who we, we mentioned earlier. And this means that uh, any women up to the age of 25 who, for whatever reason, wouldn't have had the HPV vaccine, you know, during their school years, that that free vaccine is available to them now. And there are a number of catch up clinics around the country where people can just arrive, get their HPV vaccine and know that they're protected. And do you test for HPV? Yeah, so since 2020, the cervical screening test that we do in Ireland now is a HPV test. And that's in line with all of the um, countries around the world who are aiming towards this uh, cervical cancer elimination, which is one of our goals. So the test that you have done, it's done in the same way as you would have had done before. So when you go to your GP or nurse, you're, you have the test done in the same way. But when the sample goes to the lab, it's checked first for HPV to find out if you have it or not. If you don't have HPV, your risk of getting cervical cancer is tiny. We'd love to say it's zero, but it's very, very, very small. If you do have HPV, that doesn't mean that you have cervical cancer. It doesn't mean you're going to get cervical cancer, but it does mean that you're in this higher risk group that we need to look after a little bit more, that we need to be a bit more vigilant about. And in that case, if, it fi if we find that you do have HPV, we check the cells on the slide. We ask you to come back for repeat tests if necessary. Sometimes we might need to send you for a colposcopy, which is an extra type of test that you have done in, a, in an outpatient setting. So there are all of these extra layers that we put in if we find that you do have HPV. But if you don't have HPV, you can be really, really reassured until your next test, which it would be due in three years time if you're between the age of 25 and 30, or five years time if you're between the age of 30 and 65. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. A fascinating insight into cervical screening. Are people uh, daunted by the tests? Presumably, that women presumably are, I would imagine. Yeah, so we know that, that some people really, really don't like having cervical screening done. And in fact, we know that a lot of women 
choose for whatever reason to not attend. And part of that can certainly be the fact that it's an intimate test. You know, you're you're um, having a stranger basically, you know, put something into a part of you that you don't necessarily want them putting something into you. And uh, people can be really put off by that. There is certainly a perception out, out there that it can be uncomfortable. And we do know, of course, for a lot of women, it's absolutely not their favorite thing to do. Um, but it shouldn't be painful. And for some women, particularly uh, maybe women who've gone through the menopause, it can be a little bit more uncomfortable uh, due to hormone changes in the vagina. But there are things we can do about that. And it's really important if that's the thing that's putting you off or if there's any other questions that you have about the test that is putting you off, going to your, your GP or your practice nurse, giving them a ring and having a chat through about what it might mean for you or the reasons why you feel that it might be uncomfortable for you. There are lots of things we can do. There are, medica there are medications that we can use for vaginal dryness. There are also different sizes of the speculum, which is the name of the uh, instrument that we use. Um, and there are different positions that people can go into. So there's loads of different things that we can do to make it more comfortable. I can imagine the Irish audience as they listen just kind of squirm in the corner at the mention of about five of those words that you just brought up, brought up there between positions and instruments and everything else. I know. But, but it is important, though, to be able to have that chat. To be, and the beauty of podcasts is you're in people's ears. It's very private, but you're able to say to them, look, if you have a concern, talk to your GP. There are options that to, to get around maybe the reasons that you may not get the tests done. Exactly. And again, like these are not the kind of conversations you're necessarily going to be having at the kitchen table, but they are conversations that you can have with your GP or your practice nurse. And we are the people who really want to help you. Um, what we do know is that of the people who are diagnosed with cervical cancer every year, around about 40% of them have never had a screening test. And that's really difficult because we know that people who are diagnosed um, when they've arrived with symptoms, as opposed to having a screening test done, that they're much likely to be at a later stage. And as we spoke about earlier, we know that if a cancer is found early, then the chances of uh, a cure or a treatment that isn't going to affect you for the rest of your life is much easier. Whereas the later the cancer is found, uh, the more difficult it can be for you and for your family. So while there's about 20% of people who don't attend for screening, the cancers tend to happen, as I say, about 40% of the cancers happen in that group of people who haven't who attended for, for screening. screening. Yeah. Okay, wow. And how does, what does the treatment look like then? So if you have cervical cancer, how is, that, is it chemotherapy or is... So again, it very much depends on okay. the stage. So for the very earliest stage of, of cervical cancer, it can be removed with some treatments in the colposcopy clinic. So even in an outpatient setting, you can have the cancer cells removed. Uh, for people who might be found at a later stage, very often it would be uh, radiation therapy, chemotherapy. Surgery is less likely in those cases. Um, but we, people who've had the experience of having those kinds of treatments, radiation therapy, chemotherapy, they know how difficult they are. They know how, how difficult those side, side effects can be. And again, that's why it's so important. If we can avoid that by finding cancer at an earlier stage through screening, then that is so much better for everybody. And something you mentioned earlier on was around elimination. How does that look? Is it zero? Presumably it's not zero. There's no, it, it would be fantastic if it yeah. was if it was zero. So this is the term that the World Health Organization have used um, to uh, bring us to the point where we have so few cases 
of cervical cancer that is no longer what they call a public health problem. So it would be fantastic if we could have no cases at all. But if we come back to what I was saying earlier, because there is more than one cause for cervical cancer, the one that we can get rid of or that we can really control really well is HPV. But there are those other causes that we can't control. So in 2020, the WHO launched its strategy for cervical cancer elimination. And what it has said is that every country in the world has the means and the tools potentially to get to a place where there are fewer than four per 100,000 cases per year, which is a bit gobbledygook when you when you read it out like that. But in Ireland at the moment, our case numbers are 11 per 100,000. And we're trying to get to four or, or fewer per 100,000. Okay, so basically less than half of what, what it currently is. Exactly, exactly. So we're trying to, to uh, get towards that. And the WHO has three targets for a country to, to hit in order to achieve that. So they've calculated that if you hit these targets, then chances are that you will be able to eliminate cervical cancer. So the first one is that 90% of girls would be vaccinated against HPV by the age of 15. So we're, we're, we're getting close to that. We have all of our catch-up programs. We have our programs in schools. Um, we have dealt with a little bit of vaccine hesitancy, which was around in kind of 2015, 2016. And we know we are reassured by the science from all around the world how safe the vaccine is. So uh, we know that more and more people are making sure that their daughters, their sons are getting their HPV vaccine when they're in school or through the catch-up programs. So that's the first pillar, the, the vaccination. The next one is around screening. So again, if we can get 70% of our population to have two screening tests by the age of 45, so two HPV tests, that's what the WHO says. Um, and so we're really quite far ahead of that target because on average over the last number of years, our, our screening coverage, so the number of people getting screened would be around 75 or 80 percent. And also we would have had probably a lot more than two screening tests uh, throughout a person's lifetime because we're offering it for people from the age of 25 to 65. And are the tests free? So the tests are free through cervical check. So you just make your appointment with the GP or practice nurse and the test is free. And then the, the third strand of the WHO strategy is relation to uh, treatment of cancer. So if we do find cancer, making sure that it's treated as well as possible, as early as possible. So that would be both for precancerous lesions and for, for cancer itself. Um, and they're looking at 90% of people who are diagnosed with cancer to be treated in the correct way. And again, in Ireland, we're, we're absolutely on that target uh, because, again, we're very lucky in this country that we have access to, um, you know, good quality healthcare. care. The, the waiting times for colposcopy of all the waiting times in the HSE and the waiting times for this specific treatment are really uh, kept under control because they're in a separate part um, of the of the HSE program. So that's those two, the screening and the treatment we're well on the way towards. And again, with the vaccination, really trying to encourage everybody who is eligible to make sure they get their HPV vaccine. And what we're doing is we're working out the date at which we'll be able to say that Ireland will have eliminated the cervical cancer. So we hope to be able to announce that date, the date that we think that we'll be able to get rid of cervical cancer as a public health problem is how they term it. And we're hoping to be able to announce that date towards the end of this year. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Talk to me about self-sampling then. So this is something that has been tried out in a lot of other countries, particularly for people who might find it difficult to come for the traditional test that we were talking about in a GP surgery. So for a lot of people, the idea of coming in and having an examination, an intimate examination done in 
you know, public, if you want, with, with your GP or your practice nurse is just too intimidating. And the idea of self-sampling is that you would take the tam- sample yourself at home. So you get a test kit. Um, in some countries, it's posted out to you. In some countries, you go to the GP practice and you collect it. You go home and basically you uh, insert. It's like a little Q-tip or a cotton bud and that you put into your vagina yourself. And then you send it back out to the lab and it's tested for HPV. So what we do know is that that might not be suitable for everybody. Um, but if it does reach some people who would never have a test otherwise, then it, it really probably is a good idea. So throughout this year, we're going to be looking at people's attitudes to self-sampling in Ireland because what works in another country isn't necessarily going to be the right thing for the Irish population. So we're going to be doing some research around whether we think it would be something that people here would find useful, that they would use, um, that they feel that they would access screening in this way rather than in the traditional way. Because there are loads of advantages to coming in for your traditional test. You get a lot of opportunity to chat with your healthcare provider, they get to talk to you about other things. So, you know, we would always be encouraging that in-person experience. But for some people, if there's no way they're going to have a test done unless they do it at home, then certainly self-sampling might be the answer. And for anyone listening in who may have lost confidence in the programme, what what would you say to them? So I suppose because of the, the, the science that we have now specifically around the HPV, we're looking at a very different landscape in terms of cervical cancer prevention. Uh, the certainty that we can have around this connection between HPV and the most common types of cervical cancer and the effectiveness of things like the the vaccination, it really is we're in a very hopeful place uh, when it comes to, as I say, moving towards the idea of eliminating cervical cancer. So I can fully understand that people might have, you know, queries or or, or lack of confidence, um, but we are in a very different space now in terms of the the science and the evidence around cervical cancer. Well, hopefully by, you know, just having you on today, we've got a few more people who are ready to go for testing. If they are, just remind us again, where do they go? Is is their website? Is it to their GP? Or what's what's the roadmap? Yeah, so uh, you can check to see if you're on the register for cervical check. So that will see that the um, register has your correct details. What we do is that we send out invite letters to people to say, oh, your screening test is due. Make an appointment to come and have it done. At the same time, if your screening test is due, you don't need to necessarily have the letter. So if you've lost the letter or you don't know where it's gone to, that's okay. You can check online on uh, cervicalcheck.ie forward slash check the register to see if you are on the register and when your next test is due. It'll tell you when it's due. And then you can make an appointment with your own GP or practice nurse. Or for some people, they might prefer to go to a dedicated women's health clinic. What we would say is it's useful if you can always go to the same place for your tests. So whatever you decide to go for your tests, try and stick with the same place. Um, Because we do know, obviously, it can be difficult sometimes to get appointments or at times that suit you. Um, But if you have a little bit of uh, opportunity to make sure that you get the appointment at a time that suits you, there's no you know, rush if you're if you're a little bit, if you're a month or, or two months out, there's no problem about that. But it is really important just to remember, stick it in your diary. This is something that I must do over the next couple of months. And the goal is two tests by the age of? So that's with the WHO guidelines. Yeah. But, but in Ireland, what we do is we offer free tests uh, as soon as you're 25 and then another one before you're, you're 30. So every three years between the age of 25 and 30, and then every five years up to the age of 65. So, so actually in Ireland, you're going to be getting, on average, about eight tests in your, in your lifetime, um, which really gives you lots of certainty about, again, coming back to your risk level. 
if you get a result that says that you don't have HPV, then the chances of you getting cervical cancer in the next five years before your next test is due is tiny. Amazing. Well, it's been great to have you in today. Thank you so much for coming up from all the way from Cork to be in studio. Same as myself. We really appreciate it. Great content, great information. I think it's a really important episode. Folks, that is it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Health. You know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Instagram, realhealth.independent.ie. I'll see you next week for more Real Health. Sláin Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.